begin there in just a moment. I've been teaching through our core values as a church. Uh, last week we had an awesome time together talking about all people from all generations. Uh, in the second service, you guys didn't know this, but in the second service, our kids, Pastor Carla provides a uh, paper, a sheet for them to take notes on over the service. So in the second service, I addressed our kids. They were in, in the regular service uh, with it being the fifth Sunday of the month. And so I was able to address them and they were able to take notes. And uh, I, I gave them some specific things to put in their notes. Things like, I love Pastor Bob, uh, Camp is the Bomb, uh, a couple others, the kingdom of heaven is mine, all this good stuff. So uh, they took notes. We had a great time with it being all of us together, and uh, the Lord blessed us. We want to be a church that values all people from all generations. Uh, we are a church of love, of the manifest presence of God, and of the Word of God. That's who we want to be. And uh, so we are grateful for our heritage here in this church. We're grateful for who we have been for 86 years. And we want to continue to be the people of God that we've been called to be. Amen? Our number four core value is uh, Covington First Assembly is a church that believes in the power of prayer and intercession. Prayer has always been a part of who we are here at our church. I, um, I have been around enough ministers to know that there are some ministers you can pray with them for a few minutes and you think to yourself, this person doesn't pray. Uh, that's scary when you say that about a minister. Isn't it? When you hear them pray and you're thinking to yourself, this person doesn't pray. I, I, have, I have done enough community things that, uh, not to bash anybody, but it's, it's funny to me when, when you ask somebody to pray and they say, well, I haven't planned anything and I haven't written anything down. <laughs> Do we not talk to our Father? Do we not approach our Heavenly Father the same way we approach our earthly Father? Uh, folks, here's the thing. This church has always been a church that's encouraged the intimacy of that relationship between us and our Heavenly Father. We want to continue to be that people. We, we, in our services, we'll pray you know, during worship, we'll pray after worship, we'll pray before the offering, we pray at the end, we pray all through things. Sometimes we'll stop and pray in the middle of all of it. The reality of it is this, our church has always been a church that's been founded on prayer. We have prayer partners, a prayer partner ministry here in our church that has been a blessing uh, we honored Stanley just a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, him and Dolores for their years of service and everything that they have done for our church. And uh, I am so grateful, and I said this that day that we blessed them, and I'll say it again today, that any, any, uh, anything good that our church has done as an organization over the last seven years, or over the last 13 years, I'm sorry, that they have had prayer partners, I can credit it completely to the fact that there's a large number of people praying in our congregation. Any struggles that we've had and have come through uh, and, and been strong through those struggles, it's because we have had people praying in our congregation. It's not because of pastor. It's not because of this or that. It's not because of this and you know we did this plan or this program. It, folks, it's because there's people who are connected with Christ. It's valuable. It's important. Our church has always been a church where if you have a need, a prayer need, People can come alongside you and pray with you. On Wednesday nights, we offer up prayers. On, on our, for our kids' church, they're learning how to pray. For our youth, they're learning how to pray. In all levels and all facets of our church, we pray for needs. We believe for needs. Amen? It's important for us to be that kind of a person, that kind of a church, that kind of an organization. But again, we need to make sure that this core value isn't just an organizational core value. It must be a core value for our personal lives. Do you pray? 
Do you ever stop and speak to God yourself? Do you throughout your day ever stop and say, Lord, I'm going to pray? Or is it just over food? If the only time do I pray to God, do I speak to the Lord? Is it before I say, Lord, thank you for this food, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub? Is that the only time I pray? Is the only time I pray when I'm in a car and the traffic stops? Come on, God, please, I have got to get to work. The only time I pray is when something bad happens. Let me just stop and caution for those of you who only pray when something bad happens. Your father wants to talk to you. Don't make him make something bad happen so that you'll talk to him. Amen? We need to be people of prayer. You say, Pastor, why do we need to be people of prayer? Why is it so important to be people of prayer? i got five things. Everybody say five. Five reasons. A praying church is an advancing church. It's a church that's moving forward. And let me ask you this question. When I say church, who am I talking about? You. Me. As individuals. But also as a corporate body. You know the two work together. When I say we're a praying church, I mean that we have people that gather here together that are prayer warriors. I hope and pray that this is who we are. I appreciate our our women's prayer group on Wednesdays. They come in and pray, and uh, they pray for me. I know they pray for our church. It's fun to sit there and listen to them write their names down on their list of paper. And they're sitting there. Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes they ignore me because they're worried about who they need to get written down on their paper to pray for here in a little bit. That's good. So I feed them breakfast occasionally to thank them for their hard work and efforts. A praying church is an advancing church. And so we've got to have people like that and like others who are going to pray. God taught Moses and a young Joshua the power of prayer. In Exodus chapter 17, the Amalekites came against Israel. And Joshua went to fight while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the hilltop or the mountaintop to pray and oversee the battle. And we know the scripture that when he would lift his hands and he'd have the staff of God in his hand and he would pray to the Lord that the Israelites would advance against the Amalekites. And when his arms would become tired and he would put them down because they always get tired when he put them down the enemy would advance and so these men of God began to recognize and see the power of God in prayer and so they began these supporters of Moses Aaron and her roll a rock over and say sit on this rock so that your legs can rest and they would then hold his hands up in prayer and the battle was won We know that this was a purposeful thing from God. And as we look, excuse me, in Exodus 17, in verse 13, it says, So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. Why would Joshua need to hear this? Why would Joshua need to know that this old man sat on a rock with his arms in the air and prayed for him? Why does Joshua need to hear and why does it need to be written down? 
Make sure Joshua hears it. Because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under, the, under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Hands were lifted up to the throne. They were exalting God in the midst of the battle where Joshua, whose mind at the moment was solely set on winning right here what's in front of me, needed to know that there was somebody else behind him calling out to God on his behalf and that the battle wasn't Joshua's alone to win, but the battle belongs to the Lord. See, Joshua needed to know that yes, while you fought valiantly, while you did what you needed to do, you didn't win this on your own. It was because somebody else was holding you up in prayer. Pastor Bob, you need to know that while things may have gone well or there's this advancement by the church or the kingdom, it wasn't because of you. You were faithful to go and do it, but it was because people were holding their hands up in prayer for you. You see, Joshua would one day sit in the, 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 the place of Moses. And he needed to know where the strength would come from. He needed to know that when he would cross the Jordan River and go into the the Canaan land and to go in and fight giants, he needed to know what the source of the victory was. Moses said, write it down. We need to write this down so people know and understand how we won this day. Because this moment will pass. This moment's going to go away. Amalek's going to be destroyed off the face of the earth. People are going to even forget this people group existed. That came to pass. But write it down. Write it down. Mark it down that prayer changes things. Mark it down that prayer has a power. And if you want to advance, if there's been any advancement, as I've already said, in this church in the last 13 years, I credit it to the fact that people come together and pray together and believe together for God to do, go, do great things in this community. Amen? Isn't that true? So I challenge you, what advancements need to happen in your life? Where is God wanting to take you? What is He wanting to do with you? Don't just pray yourself. Don't just fight by yourself in the battle of life. But have some brothers and sisters come alongside you. Lift their hands to heaven and pray and believe that God's going to move in your life. See your life advance for the kingdom. Amen? Does prayer work? It does work. And God has called us to pray. So a praying church is an advancing church. Secondly, a praying church will be a holy church. A praying church will be a holy church. A praying people will be a holy people. In Matthew chapter 26, if you want to turn there, you can. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. Peter's pretty bold. I love Peter. Peter... Peter always was opening his mouth. I got a lot in common with Peter. Peter told the Lord, he said, even if all others fall away, (laughs) I never will. Not me. You ever hear the old saying, never say never? Jesus looks at him and he says, this very night before the cock crows, you're going to disown me three times. And Peter argues with the Lord. Peter argues with the creator of heaven and earth about himself. 
You ever met somebody that even when you're telling them the truth, they just can't believe it? I'm telling you the truth about you, but you just won't believe me. He, he argues with the creator of heaven and earth, and he says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. Isn't it amazing how people follow loud mouths? Even in opposition to God and argue with God, they all followed him and said, well, yeah, Lord, we're not going to desert you. Can anybody tell me how many disciples were at the cross? one folks we have got to stop and realize that a praying church is a holy church you say how is that why is that because you fast forward a little bit verse 40 of matthew 26 which is where we're going to start this is where jesus takes peter james and john takes them a little bit further and begins to pray coming back and inviting them to pray with him look at verse 40 then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were very weary. He, so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go, here comes my betrayer. We see a neat picture in light of prayer. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Peter, who was so bold to say, I'll never fall away. I'll never do this. I'll never, I'll never betray you. I'll never turn away, Lord. I'll even die for you. And he says, you're going to deny me, Peter. And he appreciated that it was in Peter's heart to serve the Lord, but he had no willingness to dis- discipline himself in prayer. And the Lord says, why don't you watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation, Peter? Oh, so many times in my life, if I would have just watched and prayed, I wouldn't have fallen into my temptation. I would not have followed through with my sin. I would not have followed through with those words that I spoke. You know what I'm saying? If I had been a prayerful person, I would have prepared myself in prayer rather than having to repair myself in prayer later. There's a great word from Jamie Monterey years ago that I never forgot it. He said, the biggest problem here with us in the church in America today is that we're always repairing ourselves in prayer because we never prepare ourselves in prayer. And that's exactly what happened here with with Peter. He wasn't preparing himself. He wasn't seeking the Lord when the Lord was there to be sought. He wasn't joining with one who asked him. He didn't lift his hands up in prayer and support of Jesus when he was in a battle. Jesus, who was sorrowful, even unto death, he said. And these guys couldn't even join him in prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus went through that battle victoriously. We know that. But look what happened. Peter, who leaves that time, strikes somebody, cuts their ear off, thinks just because he has a sword in his hand that he's been given permission to use it. Jesus heals the guy. Peter runs off scared. He lies. He hides. The last time he sees Jesus alive was when he makes eye contact with him. After the cock crows. When I say last time he saw him alive, I meant before the crucifixion. Okay, We know he rose again, right? Okay. Jesus says, Peter, why don't you watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation? I can tell you this, church, from experience. If I'm not praying, my mind is not in the right place. 
I may have every intention, just like Peter, to serve the Lord and say I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it well. But if I'm not willing to pray and seek Him, my mind's not in the right place. I open myself up. Don't get me wrong. If I pray every single day of my life, at least an hour a day, I'm still open to temptation. Because we're still in flesh, right? Does it make sense? But if I tune myself in with the Spirit that is inside of me, that power that overcame the grave, that power can resurrect my life and can quicken this mortal body to live for Him even now. If I can connect myself to the will of God. Amen? I can tell you this as well. 100% of the time. Everybody say 100%. I always like to give these 100% statistics. You ready? 100% of the time of people that I have dealt with that have been in gross sin, that have wrecked their lives, wrecked their families' lives, that have done horrible things to themselves. You can ask them this question. Two things. Uh, so are you in the Word? Are you seeking the Lord and reading the Word? How's your prayer and devotional life? Are you praying? And are you in the Word? Can I tell you 100% of the time? The answer is no. Of Christians, people who call themselves Christians, who live out gross sin regularly in their lives. 100%. So if that's true, then I've got to assume that being in the Word and praying on a regular basis is going to drive me to holiness because if I seek the Lord and pray, I am going to be less likely to fall into temptation. A praying church is a holy church. A praying life is going to lead toward holiness. A life that converses and communes with the Lord is going to look like Him, is going to sound like Him, is going to act like Him. Amen? Getting quieter and quieter with our amens. The anecdote of avoiding the things that Jesus said about Peter was is for Peter to have a prayer life. Thirdly, a praying church is a growing church. Following the day of Pentecost, we know uh, what took place on that day. And Peter preached and thousands were saved. And then Acts chapter 2 verse 42, beginning in verse 42, says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Part of the formula for this church in the very beginning was prayer. And and this is awesome. Look at verses 43 through 47. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's a lot of other uh, components there that are listed that, that are characteristics of the early church, but prayer was a core value of the early church. Prayer was. They joined together in prayer. They sought the Lord in prayer. What was happening on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out? They were all together in one place doing what? Praying. Waiting on the Lord. And the Lord filled them with the Holy Spirit. From that moment forward, prayer didn't stop. Hear what I'm saying, folks. So oftentimes we have this idea of saying, we're going to pray through on this. We're going to pray through on that until we get what we want to see or answer whatever answer we need. And then you get it and then you stop. 
We can't stop. The early church had been filled with the Holy Spirit and seen thousands come to them in one day. Can I just say that if that happens here, we need prayer. How can you handle that? How can you handle that influx? With just my own thinking and my own, there's no way. We have to be people of prayer. And because they were praying and seeking the Lord, because they were united in their fellowship, because of all these other factors, but yes, prayer is a big part of it. And not just prayer, passionate, powerful, Pentecostal, spirit-filled prayer. Not, not, oh God, I have to read my prayer. What's that say? Okay. Folks, these, these people knew how to get a hold of heaven. <laughs> they, they could walk into a room and begin to pray, and they were like E.F. Hutton. Remember E.F. Hutton? E.F. Hutton speaks. Everybody that's, who doesn't, who's never heard of E.F. Hutton? Raise your hand. You guys never heard of E.F. Hutton, have you? None of you? I saw Jones, I saw Dustin back here going, what's that? It's from the 80s. E.F. Hutton, when, he's an investor thing. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. And the commercials were always like, well, E.F. Hutton says, and like in a restaurant, everybody would stop and turn. So it's a great example for those who were around in the 80s. People that could get a hold of heaven. It's so funny when prayer becomes a part of your life and you, you, it's just an everyday thing, like I would talk to you out here in the foyer, and you walk into a room, a hospital room or a situation where people are either not saved or they are not used to having somebody that, that prays, and you walk in and you grab a hold of a hand of a sick person in the bed and you begin to pray and intercede for them, people in that room take notice. It's happened many times. Not just with myself, but with others too. And it's, it's an awesome thing how prayer is a powerful thing, how people see it, how it's an attractive thing. But folks, a praying church is a church that we're going to talk about in a minute, fulfills the call of God. Uh, we are supposed to be a house of prayer. And so when we are praying and we are pursuing Christ and allowing Him to work, He is going to add to our numbers because we are in tune with His heart and so we will see people with His eyes and we will love them in the right way with His hands and feet and they will come in the doors and find Him if we're praying. This is totally off topic. I saw... I watched a ridiculous movie the other day about George W. Bush. I don't think it was a really true rendition of who he is, but there was one point there that caught me, is when he found Christ. And his minister spoke with him and prayed with him, and he said this to him, said these words to him. He said, George, if you will just treat every person, love every person you meet, like they are only going to live till midnight. And treat them as if they're only going to live till midnight. God's going to change your life. He's going to change your direction. 
and you'll be changed for the rest of your life. And it just kind of hit me, and I thought to myself when I was watching that, I thought, wow, that's just the Holy Spirit loving through someone. Treat everybody you meet as though they're only going to live till midnight tonight. Which brings into picture their eternal salvation, their, whether they know Christ or not. What are their needs? Can you make them comfortable? Can you make them happy? Can you impart something wonderful into their lives? That's the love of Christ. Listen, folks, you don't ever get there without knowing the heart of the Father. And you're not ever going to know the heart of the Father without being in His Word and without talking to Him about it. Prayer is vitally important for growth. People will come to Christ when we're a praying church. Fourthly, a praying church positions themselves for the miraculous. Acts chapter 12, Herod... uh, Herod had thrown Peter. Uh, Herod had, had Peter thrown in prison and killed James. In verse five, it says, "So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And God intervened, and, he, and an angel of the Lord hit Peter on the side and, and waking him up, and the chains falling off his wrist, and leads him out of the prison. And then, when you skip down to verse twelve, it says, "When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John." also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. The early church... The early church was a praying church, and the early church saw the miraculous, even so miraculous that they didn't believe it at first themselves. There's no way. Peter's a dead man. They just killed James. It's impossible that Peter could be at the door right now. I love Rhoda. She was so excited, she couldn't even open the door. She ran away. Now, if I'm Peter outside the door, I'd be like, seriously? They could come get me now, Rhoda. Open the door. And I love it that when Rhoda come back, they rebuked her and said, that's impossible. That can't happen. It must be a spirit. It must be an angel there talking about it because there's no way that that is even possible. Listen, folks. When we pray and we seek God and we intercede, they were interceding for Peter and could not believe that God would even answer their prayer, and yet God answered their prayer. When we pray, we need to believe that God is able. And when we do that, we are positioning ourselves to receive the answer. Prayer is a positioning thing. We had, we had a, uh, an evangelist or a missionary years ago. I remember being, I was a pretty young man at the time, and he came and he talked about positioning ourselves to receive from the Lord. And what he talked about was basketball. The good old, the good old uh, basics of, of blocking out for the rebound. I was always good at that. I couldn't shoot, but I could, I could clear the lane out, bless God. It was something I could do. And they would block out and, and, and get ready to receive the ball. What prayer does for us is, is we block everything else out. You hear me? You block everything else out, shut the phone off, shut the computer off, shut the TV off, shut the kids' mouths off or something. Get a hold of God, block everything else out, and get ready to receive. Because here's the thing. 
Our God is a good God. He's a good Father and He gives good gifts to His children, to those who ask, those who seek, and those who knock. Amen? Oh, I don't know that we're getting this today. But the Lord wants to do the miraculous. He wants to do it in your life. He wants to do it in my life. We have seen miracles here over the last year. We have seen miracles over the many years that have taken place here. We haven't seen those huge power wonder miracles where somebody gets up uh, who's been crippled gets up and walks yet. But it can come. Amen? We've seen backs healed. We've seen sicknesses pass. We've seen a lot of good stuff happen in the last year. We've seen a tumor dissolved. And over the years prior, we've seen babies healed in the womb. We've seen sicknesses pushed back and lives spared. We've seen all kinds of stuff, folks. And when we pray, we position ourselves to receive from God the miraculous. <laughs> Thank you for that one amen. Fifthly and lastly, a church that prays is a church that truly fulfills God's will. Luke 19 Verses 45 and 46. Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Folks, I don't know about you, but if I had a choice between the two, I'd rather be a house of prayer than a den of robbers. Last thing I want to be is a church that steals from God. Last thing I want to be is an individual that steals time, money, resources, anything else from God. I want this temple right here, standing before you today, to be a temple of prayer. I want this place to be a place full of temples of prayer so that it becomes a temple of prayer, a house of prayer. That's what God's called us to be. That's who we should be. These people were using the temple for great gain, but the people were being stolen stolen from. The opportunity to be ministered to was stolen. The opportunity to truly know God was stolen. And today I praise God that we are a church that is at least trying to fulfill the will of God in this community. People are not being stolen from because people are praying. In closing, Ephesians chapter 6 says this, Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the saints. Yes, we need to be truthful. Yes, we need righteousness. Yes, we need to share the gospel. Yes, you go through all the armor. You go through all the armor and the sword. And then we're told to pray. Pray in the Spirit. I probably already told you this before. I don't know if I have. I'm I'm pretty sure I have. But the Lord spoke to me at prayer summit this last year and showed me a picture of, of Jerusalem with walls around it. And the Lord said to me, he said, Bob, are are walls bad things? Go ahead and get out of your mind all the political ideas that's in your head. And I said, no. You commanded them to build the walls. You told them to build walls. When the Jews come back out of captivity, they were told to rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls of the city. So walls aren't bad things, Lord. 
And he told me this. He said, he asked me this. He said, are the walls what protect them? And I said, no. You are. And he showed me that a wall becomes a bad thing when that is the only hope for protection and nobody seeks the Lord any longer. And I, it, he applied it to multiple other things. You can have, you can have a savings account for emergencies, an emergency fund, which is a great thing. I recommend that everybody has one. But that emergency fund should not be where all of your faith and hope is. Amen? We cannot, we can, we can take our lives and safeguard ourselves and our children the best way we can. We can protect and guard and defend everything that, that we can, that we know is, that we love and is valuable. We can do all that we can do in our power, but folks, when it comes down to it, we have to trust God. Right? You put on the helmet, you put on the breastplate, you put on the, the belt, you, you grab your sword, you do all these things, but if you forget to pray, what good is it? What good is righteousness without prayer? What good is salvation without prayer? What, is, what good is a shield of faith if we're not going to have prayer? What good is it to tell the truth if we're not going to do it prayerfully? What good is it? All these things are protective. And even the sword. How are we going to know how to use the sword of the Spirit without and know how to use it appropriately. We must be people of prayer because if we take the prayer away, we're going to misuse our sword just like Peter did. Amen? And if we forget about our, our, our helmet of salvation, our breastplate of righteousness, our belt of truth, and our shoes that are, are sandaled on and ready to carry the gospel, if we do all of that without prayer, we're going to have a false confidence just like Peter had and fall short. So we've got to be people of prayer. Not just people who say, thank you Lord for this food. <laughs> people who can get a hold of heaven. And I'm just going to advertise it right now. There's a prayer meeting tonight at 5 o'clock. If you want to get a hold of heaven with us, we're going to be here doing that. If you can't make it, I understand. Don't feel judged if you're not here. Like I've said before, if you don't want to pray, don't come. Because we're going to pray. It's okay if you don't come. But this morning, I want to put some of this stuff into practice. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I have some needs. We, we want to, I need people to gather around me and hold my arms up. Because I need to advance in my life in this area. Maybe sin, maybe a work situation, maybe a family situation, whatever it is. I want to tell you this, that I want to pray with you and believe with you like they prayed and believed for Peter, even to the point to where after you leave this place, whatever that situation or circumstance is, that it's going to be so miraculously intervened inside of that we'll be shocked. 